Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast as we record this on Sunday evening. Um, no college football, obviously, so you have to force yourself to get into the NFL playoffs. That's... This is it. This is all we got for football left. So, you know, so I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I will say NFL playoffs are fantastic. We haven't didn't get the greatest games over the the, the first day, but I love the playoffs. I mean, everyone comes to play and they play hard. It's not uh, we don't feel like showing up this week. I mean, it's they're going at it. Although I would say the Eagles didn't show up to play too no. much versus the Buccaneers, um, the Bills. That was a blowout game. I actually put a spite the a tweet out of. First round of college football playoffs, first round of NFL, Spider-Man. Yeah. Because it happens but, a yeah, but decent amount, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe not so much as as college football, but it, was, guess, it was, it has been this weekend. Though. Yeah, it just seems, I don't know, regular season doesn't seem that important to me in the NFL, you know? It's not up to college basketball right. levels or NBA or, or Major League Baseball, okay. but it's like in that neighborhood. Because yeah. um, even... I'm, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm way more of a football fan, um, but even baseball playoffs and NHL playoffs are way more fun, yeah. to to watch oh. comparatively speaking to the regular season. NHL is about as good as it gets, and I feel like the NFL is right there with that. Yeah, uh, NFL playoffs obviously are fantastic. Takes a huge step up. The, probably the only time we'll talk about hockey, but um, I've gone to a decent amount of wild games. I'm sure you've been to a couple of wild yeah. games, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I'm, I am not a hockey guy, but. Um, uh, in a previous company, we could take customers to you sure. know sporting events or whatever. Um, and big ticket item, we were allowed to take customers to a wild playoff game. Mm. Can't remember who it was. Don't even remember exactly what the year. Uh, that is the drunkest crowd I have ever been a part of in my entire life. Okay, like it was a Friday night. Mm. People were ready to get down for whatever reason. Like there had to have been a record number of beer spills that I saw in that crowd. So anyways, every time I think about that, that's what I think of. But yes, the NFL playoffs are way better. Um, And it was fun seeing the Eagles and Cowboys lose because, you know, I'm a dirty Giants fan. My dirty little secret. Um, The Cowboys game ended odd. I don't know if you saw it, but like they had the ability to throw. They needed to score a touchdown at the end of the game. There was like 14 seconds left. Dak Prescott tries to run the ball to get a little bit closer, and then they can't get the ball spotted. Just, oh. just throw the ball into the end zone because sure. in the NFL you get that penalty. You're at the one yard right. line. Right. I don't know what Strange. they were doing there, Strange. Uh, but that was hilarious to me. But anyways, it was. Yeah. Um, and then we were uh, Mrs. Greek and the and and the kids and I. We were at some new friend's house watching the playoff games and just. You know, letting the kids run amok. Um, our host, he had Japanese whiskey. Mm. A Y I W A I. Wow. I W A I. That's that's the name of the. Sorry, sorry, Amador. If we don't get in any trouble, but anyways, it was. Um, I mean, bourbon's always going to be my number one. Wine's always going to be my number two. But I might dabble into a little Japanese whiskey. I've I've had a number of good Japanese whiskeys. Now, is it? Scotchy, where it's got a smokiness to it, or what? I thought it was bourbony. Bourbony, okay, yeah, very good. It was, it was 
fantastic. Yeah. So might might go get me a bottle of that. Hey, back on the NFL playoffs for a yeah. second. You know the Packers advanced. Do you know why they advanced? Uh, be- they had a buy. They yeah. weren't idle. Nice job. Good job. Yes. They were not idle. That they is had officially a buy. a buy. What do you think about the fact that there's only one buy per side now that they get the extra playoff team in there? It's strange, but I guess I kind of, I almost like that there's only one team with the buy now. Because you really have to earn it. I tell you what. And you can't coast at the end of the year. you got to keep playing the whole year. So I like, I'm with you there. I think it's cool that the only top team gets a buy. I don't like the extra game. No, that is. Oh no, 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 that is ridiculous. Well, the, and then all these, all these records are going to get broke now. Like, well, yeah, but I, I'm not so concerned about that. I just think 16 was too many games for for. I mean, for it, it takes you're playing for attrition in the NFL already, 100%. and now you're adding another game just because you want to make more money. Just yeah, and I in my and, and I, I would love to have been in on the meetings between. The league and the and the uh, players representative because like they're obviously selling to the players that yeah you're gonna play an extra game but we're gonna get this much more money yeah. and it's gonna be passed on to you and then maybe they're like yeah let's do it I I don't know oh. I I'd, I'd be I mean it'd be very interesting to see I haven't talked to an NFL fan that says yeah I want the extra regular season game In, which is crazy when you think about. You know, there are people that are NFL junkies, yet almost by and large, everybody hates the extra week. It's strange. I just don't like thing. this. The NFL season is supposed to end right around New Year's Day, well, you know, the and then Super the playoffs Bowl start. is in mid-February I, I, now. I know. It's crazy. That doesn't feel right. I mean, it's getting into and, and then. But the thing is, is it just it just keeps broadening their grip on the American sports landscape yeah. year round because that is going to bleed so quickly into yeah. free agency and then the draft. Yes. I mean, it's like, I mean, I know the joke is there is no off season, but it's really not. It's literally a little time between the draft and between camp stuff. That's well, it. Yeah. And then they start doing the, the OTAs, OTAs right away. Yeah. And then, yeah, crazy. Uh, crazy. It's a year long sport. All right. So uh, now let's get back into the sport that we usually talk about, which is college football, specifically big 10 football. Uh, so we are now into our, our season grades for each team okay so we are going to do three teams per podcast and it's going to go three 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 and three and then two at the end which is the two teams that made it into the big 10 championship which is how we do this every single year so next or our first teams up today are going to be michigan state purdue and indiana uh we will flip flop them two east and one west then two west and one east so we will split them up like that but as far as putting the teams together and in the order, please don't read into it at all. It's it's almost completely random on how we do it. So don't think because we're holding your team last or doing yours first or anything like that. I don't know. I just but want it, to make sure people understand that. It could be that we got these out of the way because maybe our predictions for these teams were awful. Yes. The, these will yeah. be our three worst ones. So I feel bad if there's anybody listening to the podcast for one of the first times because they're going to hear our predictions beset against the actual things and they're going to think, well, why would I listen to these Correct. guys? <laughs> the answer would be you wouldn't. <laughs> if it was, if this is how it always was, you wouldn't. Uh, so just try to keep in mind, there were a lot of people back in August that were predicting things similar to what we were at here, yeah. right? But uh, yeah, we were pretty far off. So before that... Housekeeping! No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping! 
We got a couple uh, yeah. housekeeping items, so go ahead. We do. Okay, so some transfer news. Oops, I said the T word. Some TP news. We don't use that word on TP, this baby. podcast. So Noah Kane, running back for Penn State, has TP'd to LSU of, yeah. all, of all teams. Good. Did that kind of surprise you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Now, and and but with that being said, healthy and electric, electric Noah Kane is able to put up some explosive plays. Finally. Okay, good job. You last finally one. got it in. Last one. Yeah, that was your last okay. chance, and, and you snuck it in there. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you look at the running attack for Penn State, it was just it was pathetic this year, right? And you didn't see much from Noah Kane. I feel like there's got to be more there, but usually in a situation like that, you transfer down to a lower program where you know you can start – you know, you're going to basically you're walking into a starting role and you can be the guy. I don't know. It's, it did surprise me because of that. With that being said, there sure seems to be a decent amount of Big Ten guys that transfer out into bigger programs. Yeah. And not only play, they star. Especially in the SEC. Correct. And I, Correct. I know nothing about the LSU running back. I don't either. either. I, so I have I'm not, to admit. So I'm not going to say. But it's something, it's something interesting to keep an eye it on. It is. So I'm not going to say it's a bad decision by yeah. any means. Okay, this one. My mind is about to explode here. Hunter Johnson. Yeah. You've heard of this guy. I have. Hujo. Who I really wanted him to to really take off so I could use the term Hujo more. So he transferred from Clemson, if you remember. A five-star quarterback from the state of Indiana. Started at Clemson. Transfers to Northwestern. And we're like, wow. Here we go. Northwestern's got their quarterback next three years. And three. it was three years of eligibility he had. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Well, he's TPing again, baby. He's TPing back to Clemson, South Carolina. Is this our first TP to a once to one spot to TP back to the original spot that I think we know of? That's, I don't remember another I, one. I, I don't either. Like that. Yeah. Okay. And then this one is maybe a little bit deeper of a cut, but Zach Anikstad. I wanted this guy to transfer to a to a football school, football town in Central Illinois. That was my goal. I really wanted that. He did it. He did exactly what I wanted. But as eh, 45 minutes north and west, he transfers to Illinois State yeah. in Bloomington. So that was that. It, this is a mystery to me. This is a mystery to me as well. It's a mystery to me, you, Jim in Minnesota, couple, yeah. quite a few of our Gopher followers that that very much thought that Zach Anikstead was a very talented and and confident quarterback from yeah. what we've seen. Um, we've seen it. In, in practices that we've been to, but but as you reminded to me, he was a starter for several games before he got injured, yeah. and that was before Minnesota was up and running, before PJ yes. was PJ. It was 2018. And he looked good. He looked times. good, and, and he was a true freshman, quote-unquote, walk-on, even though he knew that he was going to get a scholarship right. eventually, and he wanted to come home to Minnesota. He's from Minnesota, but I thought he, first of all, he's got a Big Ten arm, and he was making Big Ten throws. And, I mean, right now, there are several teams in the Big Ten West that are set up very good at almost any spot. Or, or you feel, you know, it's average to above average at almost every spot, except for right. quarterback. So, and I would put Iowa in that category. I mean, I Wisconsin, think- Illinois, a little bit different situation in Northwestern, a much different situation. But all four of those teams that I just named – I swear would have a upgrade at quarterback if Zach Anikstead was on their roster. I w- I'm just curious to know if there was any interest from either one of them. Uh, he would fit perfectly at Iowa, I think. I think so, too. 
And do I think he'd be better than Graham Mertz? I do. I can understand Wisconsin saying, well, we got our big star quarterback. We got to you know ride this one out. I get that. I can't believe Illinois didn't give him a look. And they were they recruited him first time around. And and Northwestern. And Northwestern. I mean, I don't, you know, maybe that gets into how, how seriously he takes his scholastics for Northwestern. I don't know. But Illinois, that, I don't know. And to, to wind up in the state, but not in Champaign, that's crazy to me. Okay, so this one is interesting. You, you know the, this name, I think. Kevin Warren, you heard yeah, of this guy? Yeah, heard of that guy. Yeah, uh, I know this guy, too. So it, Greg McElroy on his serious college football show said that Kevin Warren is the one that's holding up playoff expansion and that he will not budge on having Power 5 conference champs get automatic bids into the college football playoff. I have to say, I can't believe this is happening. This is the first time I can remember saying, way to go, Kevin Warren. The goal that we're trying to get out of anybody in the media or just anybody in general is to to take a look at things with an honest take. So even though we have showed our frustration with Kevin Warren many times in the past, both on this podcast and on our Twitter accounts, in this instance, if we're looking at this like, you know, adults, we have to applaud Kevin Warren for digging in on where we think it's a great spot to be dug into. Um, I saw one thing, like I read an article that I, I that disagreed with Kevin Warren, so therefore I disagreed most of the article on what I read. But one point that was brought up in that article was that there should be like a minimum ranking for that conference champion, like around 20 or more that they were at, that they're, that they finish at in order to get into the college football playoffs as an automatic qualifier for a conference champion. Did I set that? Did I explain that So you that think well? there should be a qualifier for ranking? I, I, I think it's okay. Cause obviously what people are getting at, um, and of course, they use the Big Ten West as an example. Like, can you imagine if eight and four Wisconsin gets into the Big Ten championship and beats a twelve and zero Ohio State, okay. and they get the automatic okay. bid? Okay. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Even served up to me that like that, I'm like, so Ohio State had a chance to win the game, right? And they didn't. Well, again, this comes back to if the games don't matter. Why are we playing the games? And because it would put so much more emphasis and excitement on these conference championships. Yes. And then, of course, they're going to say how that's going to feed into getting rid of divisions, which I do understand the thought process of. I'm not saying I agree with it. I like to point right. out. I'm saying I do understand the thought process because it would eliminate the chance of there being an eight and four team that makes the the. Uh, a conference champion if you take, get away from divisions and you take the top two teams. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people think it's going to go that way. Long story short, Ugh. I love the fact, like, if you really want to make this more inclusive to everybody, um, I love the fact that at the beginning of the year, even Vanderbilt has a chance, technically, to make the college football playoff if they get into the SEC championship and beat the team on the other side. Yeah. And, of course, if Vanderbilt can do it, that, that – that that you know plays out for everybody in 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 the power five. So I think that's it, it adds something. And to make it clear, the thing I really agree with Kevin Warren on is demanding conference champs. I, I don't want the expansion, but I realize that's going to happen. So kudos to him for for saying no. I agree. I'm not giving in until I get this. And it's hard. And I I can't say exactly how, but it sure seems to me that it would be something digging in 
on this topic that would not give the SEC so much power because what they're I think Kevin yeah. Warren is trying to do is to eliminate the SEC getting guaranteed two teams in all right. the time. I think this is a sticking point that, yeah. that that helps out with that. Way to go, K Dubs. Yeah, good job. Okay, yeah. some Iowa news here. Wait, can we get into the schedule? Oh, I'm sorry, stuff? that's so, right. Because I think it kind of good point fits into that a little bit. We'll finish up. On so that, but. Th- this is very strange. I couldn't believe it was happening. I get why it's happening, but the Big Ten decided they are going to kind of jigger the schedule for this coming season, which is uh, that that's hard to do. This, I you know, one of the funniest and and for and funny for me because uh, it's so far in my past, but uh, not so funny for a couple people on Twitter is like, <laughs> I mean. There are dudes that relented and said, okay, honey, we'll do a fall wedding. And then got, you know, future Mrs. Jones or Thompson or whatever to agree to the fifth week in the fall, you know, or whatever, middle of October because it fell on their team's idol week. Yep. Then the schedules get switched around. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you know, that gigantic uh, Michigan fan ha- has got a, uh, his wedding planned on a, on, a, on a Michigan football weekend. I've already seen wedding tweets about this saying, I'm no longer going to such and such wedding because we don't, we're not idle that week anymore. So it's crazy. But here's why they did it. Okay. Because the, in the 2020 season, the COVID year, where they just did a real impromptu schedule, it kind of screwed up their long term scheduling plans in the Big Ten. And I'll give you an example. As an Illinois fan, it would have been this season, the third consecutive year that Illinois played at State College, which is just odd. Weird. And it it also – so then them changing it, though, also plays around with the protected rivalry, quote-unquote, thing that they have going in the Big Ten where the Illinois protected rivalry was – Rutgers and it's flipping to Penn State. So we actually got a freebie. We don't have to play Penn State for one of those years. So we went from Penn State now to Indiana. Again, K Dubs, way to go. <laughs> Pat on the back. Specifically to you, yeah. Um it is there's too many there's obviously 14 teams to go through and everybody's schedule change, so we can't break all of these down. I mean, each schedule change what was specific to each fan base and how they feel about it. Like for Iowa, the first three games non-conference didn't change at all. The last game of the year was always going to be uh, Nebraska on Black Friday, so none of those changed. There was changes in between. The only thing that I didn't like specifically was that the Iowa-Minnesota game was here, and I think it was the last weekend in September, mm. which I was like, dude, it's going to be great to go mm. to an Iowa-Minnesota game in my backyard when mm. it's going to be – it could still be shorts weather that weekend. Yeah. Um, that has now switched all the way till the end of the uh, schedule the week before Nebraska. So gotcha. it's little tweaks like that. I didn't like that personally, but in the end, and I and I think Iowa picked up Ohio State Ooh. in this instance, which I maybe this makes me weird, but like you would think that would make me upset. But I'm so bleeping tired of hearing about Iowa's schedule that the fact that we do pick up Ohio State, I, I to a certain degree, weird way, gotcha. welcome it. But, you know, it was stuff like that, too many to break down, but we at least wanted to acknowledge it. Um, before we get into the Iowa stuff, Michigan lost a D-line coach. They hired a D-line coach. Uh, Michigan State got rid of a D-line coach, hired a D-line coach. This guy's a, a, a pass rush specialist. I got an article that I've, I have yet to read, but um, pretty interesting yeah, like there's too many of those small changes going around. Yeah, we do our best to try to uh, uh, keep, you know, grasp on that. 
if you feel like if you're a listener and you follow us on on Twitter and you want to you know get get a hold of us in the DMs, if you find there's something interesting about one of those lower end hires, let us know. You know, we're we're, we're always curious to take the sure. fans you know take on that. But for the most part, switching out an old line coach and whatnot, another one to throw on there would be um, uh, uh, Nebraska has has they they have hired the special teams coach. Yeah. It I is know. official, so that's a big one that has been out there. Uh, they hired a running back coach, which we knew was going to happen, so they did have to kind of move things around a little bit on the defensive side, but Frost has got his guys in place. So long story short, the the much ballyhooed uh, Nebraska special teams is actually it's it's going to happen. Uh, it seems like there's some good things happening with the Scott Frost staff. Overall, Improvements, I think. Yes, and then I'm gonna. I I think it's a team effort, but we'll we'll, we'll look into this more for Nebraska's team breakdown. And obviously, yeah. as the season goes on, but with the new offensive coordinator being Mark Whipple, we are going to be calling it the Cool Whip, whip offense. Which, cool Whip. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Offense. All right. Last little tidbit here. Rolling into the Iowa stuff. Iowa yeah. extends head coach Kirk Ferentz through the 2020. Nine. 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 Was that niner in there? Season. Um, yeah, so he's wow. 66 years old. If he finished out his contract, he would be 73 years old by the time he finished. My guess is he won't make it quite that far. With that being said, you always extend it out far enough where it's yeah. a recruiting thing sure. for quite some time, so you can plausibly say he has no plans of going anywhere. But this is notable, and this is from Scott Docterman. The, the total salary pool... For on-field assistance is bumped from 5.6 million up to 7 million. That's a pretty big pool. And I certainly wasn't inside the negotiation uh, room, but but me thinks that Kirk Ferentz is the type of guy that, you know, I, I think he wanted. To, I think he thought and and wanted a little bit extra money for himself. I mean, he was getting down to, I think he was. In, I know he was in the bottom half okay. for coaches. Getting paid, yeah, uh, and, and for the Big Ten, this will get him towards the top in, in the Big Ten. I think Mel Tucker, Ryan Day, and we'll see about Harbs. I feel like Harbs maybe will take a jump back over top I of think him so. here pretty quick. Um, so, so he'll he'll be at the top. I think he's right with James Franklin right now, but I think he deserves to be one of the higher paid coaches in the Big Ten. But I also think he said, "I want that, but I also want more." Uh, uh, money for my assistant coaches. I got a couple guys in here that are doing a great job, so that's great to see. Well, I'm, we might have passed it up, but I, he will be making seven million, a seven year. million, seven a year. million for himself, yep. seven million for assistants. Yeah, and then uh, coincidentally or uncoincident, I don't know how it goes. Um, then another Iowa headline just pretty much hit today, and you kind of saw a little bit of it late Saturday night, but it's pretty much into this morning, which is. Um, Fun little shenanigans with the the committee that was made by Kirk Ferentz mm-hmm. with outsiders in mind to 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 look inside the program to address the offseason issues that happened a year year and a half ago. Um, it has gone awry is the best way to put it. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to to call names, but I, I think it's pretty easy if anybody that's following it can see. There was a specific committee member, ex-Iowa football player. Uh, is it fair to say I think he went rogue on his own, on, on his takes? It seemed like it. Yeah, um, to the point where he said, well, I just think we should fire the entire staff and everything uh, for not essentially doing things like I said. 
But then balanced on the other side of that was, in this case, I'm going to use the name, Jordan Lomax, an yeah. ex-player uh, that was on the committee. And he came out and said, no, actually, that point of view is held by him and him only. But but boy, that didn't stop Twitter and a couple people from just running with the narrative and going crazy with it. Yeah, interesting that you'd you know bring in these let's call them the Bobs, the consultants, and that their recommendation is to fire you, the one that brought them in. <laughs> like, I mean, because there are companies in the business world, right, to try to relate this to the business world, the Bobs, that's fantastic. But you bring an outside consultant in to maybe train your staff. There's yeah. been several times I've seen that. Uh, uh, the, the company I was at previously, there was corporate trainers that came in. I, I actually liked them, to be honest with you, those, those specific guys that came in. Um, but if those guys came in and they work with your sales force for a little while, and they're like, all right, Bob, Bob one, Bob two, what do you think? Fireball. Fireball. Fire your entire <laughs> Wait, me included? As the v, as the VP of sales? Yeah, you're, yeah you're, you two, you two, you're, you're gone. gone. Fire them all. You're gone, too. Um, you know, when, when the takes on Twitter get to be toxic and stupid from, you know, uh, Johnson 6969, yeah. you know, I, I don't care about those sure. people. But when it's your own quote unquote beat writers, uh, specifically for Iowa, Pat and Rob, which by the way sounds like something that could happen to somebody in a New York City subway. Pat yeah. And Rob, when, when it comes. Also sounds like a, like a morning zoo, you know, the radio yeah. stuff. Well, <laughs> 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 that was a close one. Weenie in the butt. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's like well, Weenie in the butt. Was that, uh, was that, um, Family Guy's Weenie in the butt. Oh, Family Guy's Weenie in the butt. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of, uh, Wayne's World. That guy that okay. when they were trying to promote Wayne stock or whatever. Uh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, like when it comes from Twitter, it's no big deal. But when it comes from guys that are supposed to be journalists that do a little research and they just fire off a tweet like that and then go to their son's uh, basketball tournament. Sorry, I haven't been paying attention. Yeah, right. Right. You know more people should act like, you know, I'm going to give him a prop. Scott Docterman, like you haven't seen anything from him. He'll, when he writes something, it will be well thought out and good because that's what he does. Does You wouldn't think that would be the, you know, the exception these days, but boy, it sure seems to be. Yeah. And you had, you had made a tweet and basically to reiterate, the fan base doesn't want your moral high ground opinion. Really? Right. Right? I mean, right. like they want they want to know the information. Thank they you. They don't want your your just off the cuff woke take on it. Like there's no no and, fans and, and, really want that, do they? And I I just don't think fans want a hard stance one way or the other. Like it's hard sure. to give facts in the news without maybe getting a little bit of your own personal feelings mixed in with it. I understand that's hard to do to balance that line. But when you go so far in one direction right. on exactly what you think, it's so obvious. Just just don't do it. It's just not a good idea. Okay. Not sure that that segment went the direction we wanted to, but that's just how I feel. And that's and, all I got to say about that. And so maybe we went a, a, a certain direction with that. But long story short, it, it seems like to me it will be something that, you know, and, and the one thing I would add is whenever 
there's one person, okay, one person interviewed for an article, okay? You're you're not doing your job, right? No. Because literally every person, not not just the people in this story or the person that has kind of been the the lightning rod, the X player that's been the lightning rod, every person on the planet has an angle. Yeah. So it and it doesn't necessarily mean it's 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 right or wrong. They just everybody has an angle. So it's good to get the point of view of other people so you get other angles. And it's not just everyone has an angle. Everyone has their own experience. There that too. That's even yeah. better way of putting it. All right. All right, so, we got that done with. Yeah. We didn't we didn't we didn't skip it. At least I can say that much, correct? You can put that baby to bed now. All right. So in to our team grade. So here's how we're gonna do this, folks. We're gonna set this up just for this first one. And then you guys will kind of get the cadence from there on out. Uh, so we are going to give the team, we're going to give, first off, give the preseason over under and then give what me and Kurt's predictive records were. Kurt Reluc- nice predictive reluctantly. Records. <laughs> yeah, for these first three. Then we're going to give, obviously, the actual record. We're going to go through the schedule and just kind of give you like a, a flashback on, you know, what we thought going into it, then all of a sudden how things were going as this team worked through the schedule, uh, then we're going to give you the team stud. I don't know about you, but I've got a definite team stud, but I got other shout outs that I have on there. Too. I've got a bunch of honorable okay. mentions. Uh, then we're going to give you the best game or moment. Typically, it's going to be the same thing. The head scratcher from the year. Officially, we're going to give the 2021 team grade. And then after that, we're going to give a very quick 2022 spring look ahead. Does yes, that, sir. Does that seem good? Yep. All right. First game, or first team up, excuse me, is the Michigan State Spartans. So we already kind of alluded to this on the Dustin Shooty podcast, but they're over under season total. Okay. Just remember, go back to August. Their over under season number was 4.5. What did you predict for their record? Oh, I don't want to say it. Actually, I wasn't far off from that, though. I predicted four and eight. Okay. But they, I pr- also had them finishing dead last in the in the East. East. Okay. So I did a little bit better than you. Um, I had them at six and six. There was okay. just enough, th- there was just enough uh, um, soft serve ice cream served up to me from some of the Spartan fans that I bought in a little bit. Like, okay. I was starting to believe that some of these transfers that I heard about were, were going to work out. Now, the funny thing is I thought it would lean more defensive, mm-hmm. a defensive looking team than yeah. offense. And uh, I'll give standing room Spartans credit. He was on the opposite side of that. He goes, okay. no, I think it's going to be more of an explosive uh, offensive team. And Dougie the same way was very high on a certain running back that came over from Wake Forest. And it was telling me how good that guy looked in practice. And boy, did we get that. Because what did Michigan State wind up? Ten and two overall. They they hit their season over under at their fifth game. So they only they had five games up and five wins. So they hit that. If anybody that took the over that that wasn't sweaty at all. And then they win their bowl game to finish eleven and two. So going into the the schedule. So the first thing I would say is, you know, that first game was a Friday night game against Northwestern. I remember watching it down at my folks' place. And I was so giddy to watch this game. It was a Big Ten game. If you can remember, it was right after the Ohio State-Minnesota uh, game that we went to live up here. So yep. we had Ohio State-Minnesota Thursday night. I got to watch this game Friday night, and then Iowa had their season opener the next day. And I turned this on, and Michigan State is just running wild 
against this Northwestern defense. Erroneously, my first thought was, what the heck is going on with Northwestern? Already from the get-go, not giving Michigan State enough credit right from the right from the beginning. Was sure. that kind of you the same way? Yeah, and you know, Kenny Walker had a huge game, but I okay. So just a huge meltdown from the Northwestern defense. It's not that this is the stud of maybe the entire Big Ten conference that we're looking at. Here. Correct. Next game up, they blow out Youngstown State. You would have predicted that no matter what. Then I believe the first, hey, yo, what is going on here? Third week or third game of the year, they go down to the southern part of, of the continent and take on the Miami Hurricanes and beat them 38-17. to 17. That really should have been the first time that we were clued in like, hey, this well, is going to – and I think we were. No, I think point. we were clued in at that point. And for me, my personally, that was the most satisfactory victory for me as a – non-Spartan fan of the entire entire year. And it might have been for me, too, because even though I picked Michigan State at 6-6, six and six, I picked them to win this game preseason. Okay. And if you can remember way back then, Miami was 24th in the country when they went down. Now, they didn't finish anywhere near that at the end of the year. So they start out 3-0, and and then the wacky Nebraska game. They wind up winning this game in overtime. Um, I don't mean to besmirch Michigan State fans, but but Nebraska really, you know, Snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in that game, but you could say they punted away victory is what <laughs> Boy, they did in that did game. Did they ever? And if you, yeah, I mean, if people can't remember, um, I mean, was Nebraska get- won. Nebraska was ahead most of that game, but figured out a way to give up the lead for a tie, and then at the end of the game, they try to punt it away, return for a touchdown, and that's how she ends. Right. So it was supposed to be a punt right. Everyone went right except the punter punted left. Jaden Reed said thank you and waltzed into the end zone. And I take it back. That's actually what sent it into into overtime, OT, and yes. then they won it on a field goal after that. So again, so I mean, we are we're we're already magical at this point for Michigan State. Like I wonder if you ask Michigan State fans already at four and zero, beating Miami, and with how that game went down, did they already feel like they were playing with house money at that point? No doubt. Okay. At this point, they were already playing with house money for sure. Blow, uh, uh, blow out Western Kentucky in a wild game with, uh, if I can do my math here, 79 total points. Go to Rutgers, beat them handily. Go to Indiana, ugly, ugly game, but pull out the win, right? So now they are sitting at 7-0. and 7-0, first game, seven games up, seven wins. It's incredible at that point. And then they play the rival. Number six, Michigan. The brother. The brother, Yeah. The brother, just call him that. Um, Michigan kind of handles this game through definitely two quarters, if not almost three. It was like two and a half because they were up 30 to 14, I believe, midway through the third, I think was about. I think that sounds about right. And then they storm all the way back. Kenneth Walker goes off. This is when it put Kenneth Walker into the you know stratosphere for uh, a Heisman contender. And they wind up beating Michigan 37 to 33. He, He was 23, 23 carries. 197 yards, five touchdowns against the brother. And just like that, Michigan State is 8-0. and And, and every, every time I open up Twitter, it's a picture from the Michigan State followers of the podcast and me on Twitter of Mel Tucker with a um, cigar. You know, this is where Tuck coming started hitting Twitter. I mean, Michigan State fans are just having a blast. And, of course, that is the worst time <laughs> to play Purdue, to go on the road, and they get clipped by Purdue 40-29. to 29. We already knew that uh, Michigan State's 
pass defense was not very good. He got absolutely torched in this game. They just did not have enough offense to make up for it. Rebound nicely to beat Maryland and then go back on the road to go into the horseshoe. And it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen of a Big Ten team. When you consider... Of a good Big Ten team. There you go. That's yeah. what the point I'm trying to make. Did not have a lot of faith that they would pull that back out because I didn't think they were maybe playing that good of football. You have got to give them credit for then turning around, playing Penn State in that snow bowl and pulling out the win. I thought that was a big win. And a quasi-rival, too. Quasi-rival. And then go down to the bowl game. Uh, Kenny Pickett's not playing. Neither is Kenneth Walker. All-time comeback in that game, too. They win the bowl game to finish 11-2 and because, yes, I don't know if you people know, but the bowl games matter in your overall record. That, that actually goes on to your total We are record. counting that as part of their overall record. So Team Stud... Obviously, it's Kenneth Walker. I mean, we'd, we both agree with that. I, and like I, we had said on the or I had said on the Dustin Shooty, I already would have thought that. With that being said, it was cemented even more in the bowl game when there wasn't as much of a rushing attack without him being there. Let me give you some KW stats. Some, oh, I like it. Some KW three stats. Kenny Walker ran for thirteen hundred and fifty-eight more yards than anyone else on the team. Kenny Walker ran for 989 more yards than the rest of the team combined. And I don't think it is a running back room that's void of talent. No, I know. But it, it didn't, I will say, it did not look great against Pitt. It did not. Um, um, it, it's a little bit tough at the end of the year to all of a sudden shoehorn you yeah. know, a different guy in there. So, I mean, there's just not, there's not enough words to express how amazing Kenneth Walker was. Uh, we've tried to do it as much as we could on this podcast, but here's a couple more times, a couple shout outs, right? Um, I mean, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor were, they were electric to watch this year, uh, both as pass catchers and then on special teams as well. Mosley wasn't so bad either. No, not at all. So the wide receivers looked really good. I mean, Peyton Thorne, good stats, maybe not, you know, mind boggling stats, but the thing I liked about Peyton Thorne is just he, he, he's got a toughness to him. And he's got a leadership quality, like the Michigan game, for instance. Didn't statistically not a very good game, but there was a couple plays that he made in that game when he needed to, when their backs were against the wall. That if he didn't make, they don't win the game. It was just one of those. <clears throat> Peyton Thorne is one of those classic players where he's a good player on a good team, but because he's uh, overshadowed by a player on his team, and I I hope this doesn't catch the ire of Michigan State fans, but you know. They, Michigan State still doesn't get as much eyeballs on them as Ohio State, Michigan, and I would even say Penn State. So all those things mixed together that he that Peyton Thorne doesn't get enough credit, but we want to make sure we gave it to him on this podcast. You want to go through a real deep one for, for shout-out? Okay. I'm, I'm going to go with O-line and assistant head coach Chris. I'm going to give a shot here. Chris Kapilovich. Okay. I mean, that is a, that is a hodgepodge together mm -hmm. offensive <laughs> yep. line that yep. they had to do. This was a new – you know, system that they put together, you have got to give somebody credit because that offensive line was doing a great job getting holes for Kenneth Walker and then also giving, giving their quarterback time to operate. So, anyways, deep shot out there. Well, and then we need to talk a little bit about some defensive guys. I know that really bad passing defense, pretty good rush defense, but Cal Halliday had a great season. Jacob Slade had a great season. Jacob Panashek had a great season. There was some plenty of good things happening, at least on the front seven. On the front, and what what is crazy is it is hard to 
have sack stats that were as good as theirs were. I know. And having passing stats as bad, it's it's somewhat of a uh, a statistical anomaly. It will be something that I'll play into when we look ahead here. And defensive passing yards, they were 130th in the country. And if you're scoring at home, that's dead last in the whole country. That's not good. Um, best game, best moment, also pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's de- definitely got to be the Michigan game. I think we've talked about it enough, but Kenneth Walker had a great game. Peyton Thorne, not statistically a great game, but made some huge plays. Jaden Reed had his moments. Yes, I mean, you're beating the brother. I guess that makes Michigan the little brother this year, so you get to play big brother until next year anyway. Correct. So that's the best. The head scratcher, um, It to me, it could have been two things. It could have been the pass defense, you know, which obviously cost them games. Uh, but really, I had the head scratcher as Ohio State. Like, it, it, no no issue losing on the road, you know, to Ohio State. It's your uh, second game on the road in three weeks. Like, Ohio State's a, a, a filthy, talented team. But they, it was like they didn't get off the bus. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of Michigan State fans excited to watch that game. I was excited to watch that game. I thought it would wind up being – I thought it would wind up being like – you know, if we can remember, we put that that was the game that we put the contest out there. How many total passing yards were oh, going to be right. in no. this game? Um, it was just dominated from Ohio State. You know, I don't know what happened there, but it was very uncharacteristic of the team this year. OK, because you already used that one, I'm going to flip it and do a good head scratcher. OK. And that is when when Mel Tucker was assembling the staff, I loved what he did defensively with Scotty Hazelton, as well as others on the staff. I, I thought the head scratcher of his whole Staff was Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Well, Jay Johnson, oh my gosh. You gave shout-out to the offensive line coach, which he deserved, but I'm giving a shout-out to Jay Johnson for just coming up with an amazing scheme this year. Yeah, and obviously a shout-out to Mel Tucker. I don't know if you remember, but there was a certain podcaster that was actually high on the Mel Tucker hire. There was. I I get a little credit for that? On this podcast, there was one that was high and one not as high. Okay. All right, Uh, so that gets us to the final thing of the 2021 which is the team grade. Go ahead. A plus. I'm going with a plus. All the way to A plus. I mean, I had him winning. You four. are. I wish I had graders like you. Right? I, I come all the way from, I have him at four wins and they get 11. Okay. Here's my thought process. It doesn't, and, I can't. And in a year where you don't really expect much. Okay. Maybe I should, you're, you're looking at it, not strictly, but you're leaning heavily onto how a team does specific to this year on against expectations. Yes. Okay. I am certainly bringing that into play, but but I, I'm also looking at the the general heights that you think that the, the uh, football program can get to. Okay. You, you don't have to be a very old Michigan State fan to remember Michigan State winning Big Ten championships. So to me. The goal is to win the Big Ten Championship. They didn't win that, so they don't get an A+. They didn't even win the Big Ten East, so I'm going to take them down from an A to an A-. minus. Wow. But I want, I want you to know that I debated hard between A and A-. minus. So, so for an A-, minus, they're like they're like a 93, like really close to being an A. I had a lot of professors like you at Illinois where, where they should have taken in the low bar for me getting a grade. Like, can, can we take in the fact that – you know that I should I shouldn't even be in this class to begin with. Can't we factor then that in at all? All right. Um, okay, so that kind of wraps up 2021 real quick. The 2002 spring ahead. So what needs improvement? 
Well, the defense, I guess overall, you have to say the defense was a little bit of a disappointment, which, I mean, I guess contradicts my A+, plus, but I just expected a team with a sound defense, with a sound pass. I mean, they were, they're kind of known for the pass defense right. over the last... Yeah, no-fly zone. The no-fly zone. So that was that was really disappointing. And I expect more from Scotty Hazleton. I think he will get it done. And, man, just leverage that great defensive line. There's got to be a way to get that done. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got is just fixing the secondary. I mean, I got to think a lot of it is just certainly on the secondary. When you have that many just wide ass open receivers going through yeah. there is some sort of lack of communication between yeah between the 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 you know the the defensive back so that's it's just got to get fixed and i want to point out harlan bennett's the defensive backs coach yeah. this guy is Another a legend great name. i mean yeah he's 13 seasons he's been to- in total at michigan state he was there 11 then he left came back he played at michigan state so we know it's not him but something's wrong and if it's a straight talent thing, which is what I think you're kind of alluding to, one Mr. Mel Tucker does not seem to be one that yeah. rests on his laurels and won't do anything about it, so they'll get aggressive to try to do that. The other thing I threw in there, too, is just running back replacement. I mean, I yes. know I just talked about that I thought it was a pretty talented room, but we need an, you know, an alpha to come out of the running back room through the spring where uh, uh, Michigan State fans know that is the dude that's going to be getting the ball in 2022. What's looking good, I just have – I mean, I kind of have everything. Yes. I mean, recruiting – Oh, they're fourth the, in the Big the, Ten. The aura of, of how Michigan State is viewed, I mean, it's just – overall, it's just as good as you could have – possibly hoped it would be a year, year and a half ago when Mel Tucker walked through the door. Yeah, and I'll just throw in the fact that to double down on Mel Tucker, you he's got a great personality that fits the program, and you know, like, you have to be feeling good. We got the right guy. This, this, this guy's a fit in East Lansing. Pretty much. All right, that wraps up Michigan State. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on to our next team, we're going to go into the Big Ten West. Purdue over under preseason five mm. is what Vegas had it at. Okay. I went under that at four and eight. I went under that at three and nine and had them dead last in the West. And I don't deserve any more credit at four and eight than you do at three and nine um, because we we can't, we besmir- there was besmirching that went on between me and you against the Purdue Boilermakers. You know what the the, the besmirchment that sticks out that we both saw preseason was um, our guy in the Big Ten Network, uh, Donardo, Jerry Donardo. Yes, that's right. Talking about their offensive line, like like he was doing everything he could to not say this is the shittiest offensive line I've ever seen because you could tell that's what he thought. And that just, that that cinched it up for me. I'm like, they're going to struggle. So I was deciding, am I going to have Illinois finishing dead last or Purdue? That's what made me go with Purdue instead of Illinois because I knew that Illinois had a veteran offensive line coming back, so I figured they'd at least be serviceable and Purdue would be awful. Wow. Played into it to me. And, and how did it go down? Eight and four. An eight and four regular season, win the bowl game to finish nine and four. 
I mean, the, rank, the ranks and stats here, offensive total yards, 439 yards per game, 33rd in the country, right? Which is insane because of, of the disparage. Their, their uh, uh, offensive rushing yards, 127th in the country, but fifth in the country for passing yards, 355. And, and what was maybe even more incredible is um, uh, defensive total yards. They gave up 366, 49th in the country. Like, it wound up being a good defense. Oh, no, a very good defense. But if you look at where they weren't that good, defensive rush yards. Yeah. They finished 75th in the country, which is on, it's not awful, but it's on the lower end. And this is something that also I just didn't see working out a team that can't run the ball and doesn't stop the run very well. That's usually not a very good equation in the Big Ten. No, it's not. To win football games. But Brom... He does things a little different. He sure does. I mean, that's he. I think he takes pride in that. So now we'll go through the uh, uh, schedule. So first out of the gate, they play a Power Five team, Oregon State. Beat them thirty to twenty-one. I mean, right at that second, right there again, we probably could have been clued in that this was a, a little bit better Purdue team than what we thought. I guess, but I had actually predicted them beating Oregon State. I did too, uh, but I don't know. They looked good. In that game. They did. Uh, then they play UConn. They absolutely destroy them 49 to nothing. There's not much to take away from that. UConn is absolutely abysmal. Honestly, next game at Notre Dame, they lose 27 to 13. That game was not decided until late in the game. This was another clue, if you were paying attention, that this was a better team than what pundits like me and you thought. Is yep. that fair? Yep. Okay. Then they beat Illinois, but like without David Bell. And without David Bell, but like Illinois could have won this game. Oh, the, Illinois had their chances. Okay, I mean, it, it this game could have gone either way. Purdue definitely earned the victory, yep. deserved the victory, but Illinois could have won that game. Yeah, but they win an ugly game, which you got to give them credit for. Like you said, they were bellless in that game. Then they turn around and play Minnesota at home, so they get two home game here. And lose to Minnesota 20-13. to 13. If you can remember, there was a, a deluge of rain on that game. There was Purdue cheerleaders like jumping into puddles on the sidelines of this game. Fair to say that that probably played into Minnesota's hands a little bit with them being more of a ground-and-pound type of, type of game or yeah, type of team. And I think if you're looking back, if you're Purdue looking back, that's the one that hurts the most probably, the Minnesota. Even though good team, but if you had won that... You could have been set up for amazing things. Yeah, down right. the stretch. Yep. So they at this point they are three and two. Nobody is even thinking of them being a ranked team, and they come into Kinnick to play at the time the number two ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, who had just come off a a uh, comfort behind victory versus Penn State. Iowa was six and zero oh at the time, and they not only beat the Hawks. It wasn't even close. And we both missed this one. Afterwards, we were kicking ourselves. Like, how, how did we not see that coming? And I, to all the Purdue fans out there, you can slam as much as you want because I did say in the offseason, they are not going to beat Iowa this year. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll give myself credit for is that I, I picked Iowa to win the game, but I predict, predicted pr Purdue to cover. I got roasted by Iowa fans, and I'm like, have you guys not paid attention to the matchup between Purdue and Iowa over those over the years. It's just that, again, beat by Notre Dame, barely beat Illinois, lost to Minnesota. They didn't come into mm -mm. that game no. high as a kite. That's why I wound up picking uh, Iowa to win the game. But they took that game, and they go ne in the next weekend and then lose handily 
to Wisconsin. Like as Wisconsin was just starting to get it rolling at that point. So at this point in the year, they're four and three, and then you're sitting there and you're like, is is it going to be another one of those Purdue teams that befuddles everybody one week to the next and somehow winds up with a six and six right. record? That's what we thought. Sure looked like it. So now you gotta give them credit. They whip off rip off two more wins. In fact, they rip off Four wins in their next five games. They beat Nebraska. Uh, they beat Michigan State, which we just talked about. So another top three team that they take down. So at this point, they're not doing the back and forth, back and forth thing. That's two big wins. They lose to Ohio State. No no harm, no foul there. I'd like to point out they still put 31 points yeah. on the game versus Ohio State. And then they beat a hapless Northwestern team and a hapless Indiana team that falls on a good part of their schedule. And just like that, you look up and Purdue finishes eight and four, goes to a nice bowl, the Music City Bowl, unbelievable overtime game. And they, f- <laughs> and they win that game without Bell and without Karlaftis. I, I mean, know. Just, it's crazy. And wasn't Milton Wright out of that game? I think Milton Wright was out of that game. He was too. as well. Unreal. They had, they had I just a... didn't see them. They just kept proving me wrong all year long. So good on them. This, if if we had a, you know, if this was, uh, if we're voting at, for for who goes in the front of the yearbook, right? And one of the things you could vote on was the most mercurial team in the Big Ten. This is up there, right? This team. Yeah, sure. Because like you go through the schedule. Right when you think you haven't figured out one way or the other, something went wrong or something, something you know, w- went awry is what I'm going to say, good or bad. I don't mean uh, necessarily in a bad way with that. But anyways, uh, okay, team stud. We got a lot of weight. Honestly, there's a lot of ways you could go with this, but go you ahead. Could. I mean, I so this is partially probably a lifetime achievement award. I don't care. It's also partially just – my personal fandom shining through. I don't care. He only had six touchdowns. So you could kind of say maybe not his best year, but to me, just David Bell, because the guy is literally indefensible at times, which you don't see very often from a wide receiver where you just, it's like, okay, they're going to throw it to him. He's going to catch it. It's just a matter of, can you keep him out of the end zone? His routes are phenomenal. His body control, phenomenal. And because it's so weird, we talked about the NFL at the beginning of the podcast. There's so many NFL fans that just don't pay attention to college. I just, I find that crazy to me. But so that mixed in with the fact that he plays for Purdue, a a team that's a little bit off the beaten path. No offense, Purdue. That guy is going to go to some, some team like, you know, I don't know, a team that's going to be picking around 24th or so. I don't know. I don't exactly know where he's going to go. And they're not going to know who the hell he is. No, and they'll and be like, oh, oh wow, God, Purdue has they, a good wide receiver, huh? Okay. And, and five years later, that fan base will love David Bell. Absolutely. He's going to be incredible. So you said David Bell. I'm going to go with the other Lifetime Achievement Award and go with defensive end, George Karlaftis. The, the stats were down a I little mean, bit. You could kind of make that comparison. Bell didn't have a ton of – he had he had his catches and yards. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns. But Karlaftis didn't have a ton of – uh, but it doesn't mean he wasn't valuable. Correct. Very good point. Got to give a got to give a shout out to quarterback Aiden O'Connell. And right. I'm going to give a shout out to Jalen Alexander, their their leader in tackles, 113 tackles. I love that guy. One of the most underrated players in the conference, if not the country. I just want to say I, I had him down too. So and did, what is job. did you say? Is it nine sacks? Nine sacks. Oh, wow. 113 113 tackles, nine sacks. That's Boy, a good year. And I, there's an athlete too that someone in the NFL is going to be really happy with. 100. percent Best game of the moment. I don't know if I'm if I'm showing my fandom here or I'm I'm being a 
well-rounded podcaster with this, but you got to go with beating number two Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, correct? Yeah, I mean, Aiden O'Connell, huge game, 30-40, 375 yards against that great defense, two touchdowns, no picks. David Bell had 11 catches, 240 yards, and a touchdown. It was a close game, but then once Purdue took over, it was kind of domination. They had four sacks defensively against that that Iowa offensive line. And again, Jalen Alexander Alexander had a great game that Amazing week. game. Head scratcher, moment, stat, anything? Okay, it's just the three-headed DC working out. Okay. That's the head scratcher. That's for a me. great one. That's a great head scratcher. Head scratcher. Good good on you, Brom. Yeah. Again. They lost one, but you're again. right. That that I like your answer better than mine, but it's a head scratcher and holy cow, they figured it out. And and I'll I'll go a step further. What I mentioned earlier, the rush game offensively and rush game defensively, yet they win eight games. regular season games. Yeah. It's Amazing. Good, point. good job. I had I had Minnesota or Wisconsin, you know, losing the Minnesota game and looking the way they did. And then honestly, like Wisconsin is a team where it's set up where I thought it was a perfect matchup for Purdue. You can't run the ball versus Wisconsin. They don't even try. Right. And Wisconsin gets touched up the most in in the secondary and Purdue could not get their passing attack going. Like, I thought that was a chance for Purdue to look a lot better. Instead, Wisconsin kind of ran away with it. 2019 team grid. Okay, I'm going with an A, not a plus, okay. but with a solid A because of where the bar was for me personally preseason. I'm, I was kind of making fun of Purdue. I'll yeah. be honest. I was making fun of them. Gotcha. Three, three defensive coordinators. You can't run the ball. You're not even trying to run the ball. You think you can win games in the Big Ten doing that? Well, yeah, I guess you can. Um, well, same thing for me again, A minus. Um, I think Purdue can get, I think their, their goal should be to get into the big 10 championship. So this is also a very high A minus. They could be like 92.5%, 93%. They're right there on an A, but again, I, I feel like you are, you're downplaying the potential of Purdue. If you give them an A because they still only wound up eight and four and never were really that close to getting to Indianapolis. I think they could get closer. All right, that gets us to the 2022 spring ahead. What needs improvement? Even okay, I'm I'm going to contradict myself. I still think the run game needs improvement. I, and I, I think okay, if you if you sat Brom down, we turned the mics off and said, "Do you really not care at all or about the run game or do you really wish you could run the ball?" He's going to say, "I wish I could run the ball," right? I don't know. Or is he? I don't know. That's that's my question. That's a great question. God, because he, he does allude to it. He does allude to it in interview in, in pressers. So because what I would think he would say, yes, we would want it better, is because coaches are notoriously good at remembering the bad stuff. So he probably has a game or two or three where they lost the game almost completely because they couldn't get a rushing attack going. So he thinks to himself, Ugh, if we could just get a little bit better rushing attack going. Yeah, I, I would say that would be the number one thing. But then also, you know, like like move from 127th to 87th. But then, but would if he had a better run game, would he even use it at all? Except in those very few circumstances where okay, we have to run the ball if we want to win this game right now. I think so. You or think just so? to put okay. game teams away and stuff like that. So yeah, um, and then and then you know the the as far as just the. Not needs improvement, but just something to keep an eye on is, did they lose their best defensive coordinator? Did they lose the alpha of yeah. the three-headed DC? That's something to keep an eye on. Uh, what's looking good? Uh, AOC is coming back. Jeff Brom has his swagger back. I think 
the coaching overall that we besmirched many a time. I have a lot more confidence in Brom as a program leader, Brom as a head coach, and the coaching staff in general. So that and 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 I guess the defense just overall scheme wise, you have to feel good about how much they improve this year. There you go, and that's pretty much what I have is just is just schemes on both sides like you feel much better about it i mean and and then as far as specific the the purdue passing attack i'm starting to think you could play quarterback and i could play wide receiver and brown would get stats out of us in the game i don't know it's insane it's insane um and i also have just the overall brown aura has been has been restored the brora the (laughs) there's a brora Somebody write that down. All right, that will that was the 2021 Purdue Boilermakers. Last team up, the Indiana Hoosiers. Okay, again, go back to August preseason yeah. over under. Their win total was eight. Mm-hmm. What'd you have them at? I had them at eight and four. I had them at eight and four as well. Yeah, and there was you know like should we we should give a shout out to somebody? It was Chappie. Chappie was actually he was white down, down he on was. Indiana, and he yeah. called that. And in fact, I think he had him at like five and seven or something like that. Well, and he, I remember his reasoning. One of his big reasons was he just did not trust Michael Penix to stay healthy because he hasn't he hadn't stayed healthy for an entire season up to that. So why why are we going to just start counting on his health? And he was right. I and and looking back, you could even say overall health and just. <clears throat> Uh, consistently playing well, yeah. like like he was still more of a spotty quarterback where he'd have his jump up. Good point. And, um, so how did it go? I mean, I think we all know Indiana finished two and ten. So here's some stats I found. So they ranked preseason for the first time since 1959. Finished two and ten. They became the first preseason ranked team to finish with two wins or fewer. In a full season since UCLA went two seven and one in nineteen seventy one. Wow, that's bad. So only ten games played. Uh, probably all power five, you know, with that. But anyways, that's that's an incredible thing. Yeah, and I, I, not to pile on, but they also went zero and nine in conference. I mean, it's it's not. It's not being mean if it's fact. They lost nine times. Nine times. All right, so here we go. Um, there, there won't be much to look over at the schedule here, but first game of the year, they travel into Kinnick Stadium. Uh, I was there 34-6. to six. They give up two pick sixes in this game. There was nothing going on well for Indiana in this game. Um, I mean, it started poorly out of the gate. It was over. I mean, really, you could tell in the first quarter, oh, this is just – this is two diametrically opposed teams. One good, one awful. And Indiana came out with several of the freshmen with the Indinia jerseys on. Oh, that's right. That was that game. Yeah. I forgot about that. Like, looking back, okay, string theory stuff. I like to play this game, right? If 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 they win this game 24 to 21, th- does the whole season look different somehow? Mm. Like do you? I think no, okay. because of what we're going to get into eventually okay. here. So they win the next week versus a, a hapless Idaho team. They blow them out. Then they play Cincinnati, and they played Cincinnati tough. They absolutely did. But and if you remember when the game swung, was Mike McFadden getting ejected? Oh, I remember. 
I have yeah. brought it up multiple times. So they wind up losing versus, by the way, at the time, eighth-ranked Cincinnati team. Now we have obviously got the uh, power uh, to look back in time and understand that Cincinnati wound up being a college football playoff team. Then they bounce back, and they beat Western Kentucky 33-31, to a record-setting Western Kentucky team, right, that we already knew was explosive yep. offensively. I mean, their quarterback literally set – records this year, most yards and most touchdown passes. So at this point, it did not start out how they wanted it, right? They most Indiana fans probably looked at their schedule and was expecting three and one. Yeah. But they got two and two. But not bad, <laughs> right? You expect three and one, you get two and two. Mm-hmm. But it 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 still felt off. It already felt off at that point. Do you is that fair? Yeah. I mean things were not clicking on offense the way you expected them to be clicking. Okay. Well, then we get into the last uh, games of the year. Penn State, 24 to nothing. Which is the Blanked. revenge of the Penix extension game. Loss. Michigan State battled hard. We still thought, okay, this is a pretty good defensive team, even though we knew their offense was struggling. They lose 20 to 15, and then Ohio State just took they just took them to the woodshed, 54 even, to 7. Didn't even show up to that game. And then Maryland, 38 to 35. They battle. But Maryland takes the the win. Michigan twenty nine to seven. Rutgers thirty eight to three. They turned the ball over like six seven times in that game, something like that. Minnesota beats them handily thirty five to fourteen, and they really don't even show up versus their rival Purdue forty four to seven. That's a that's a wolf. It's a yikes, right? I don't even know what to say. Um, team stud. I'm going with Peyton Hendershot. This was an easy one for me. Peyton's had his up and downs at IU. Well, he showed up and came back in a big way, led the team in receptions with 46, led the team in receiving yards with 543, led the team in receiving touchdowns with four. This was the only guy that you could count on week in, week out, on offense the whole year. On offense, 100%. Yes. That was it. So I've got Peyton Hendershot down as well. I also want to give a shout-out to linebacker Micah McFadden. Um, In and out of the lineup with, you know, he had the BS uh, targeting call. um, uh, Had some injuries this year. Still winds up with 77 tackles, six and a half stats. I think if you ask anybody that played football for Indiana the last four or five years and say who was one of the best toughest players that you played with during your entire time almost every almost all of them are probably going to answer Michael McFadden heart and soul of the defense last few years unfortunately there was not a whole lot of heart or soul on the defense this year <laughs> yeah but what was there really came from him uh best game moment for me they were up 14 nothing on Cincinnati that to me probably was the best that Indiana fans felt almost the entire year right because you win, you beat Idaho, nobody cares. You beat Western Kentucky, for the most part, nobody cares. Cincinnati was ranked eighth in the country. They were not only up 14 to nothing, they were up 14 to nothing and completely controlling that game. I know I'm reaching here, but that was the highlight of the game, even though all the wheels fell off before the end of that game. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I think I'm going to go a little deeper and say, the the pinnacle was the play before Mike McFadden got thrown out of that game. Okay. That's fine. Totally understand. Uh, head scratcher, I got to say, Iowa, right from the start. I mean, you're preseason ranked. You got to think the entire offseason, 
is is geared to that game going in and beating a ranked Iowa team and you not only lose, you just completely fall flat. I'm going not with the specific game. I'm going with, and I hate to say it, this is painful, my guy Ty Freifogel. He had one touchdown in the whole year. Something just seemed off between him. Even when Penix was in and Penix was healthy, things were not going well. He still did tie Peyton Hendershot for the lead in receptions, but only had 512 yards. I was expecting like a 1,000-yard season out of the guy this year. We've seen the pass what he could do. Something went horribly wrong. I'm not blaming it all on Ty. Some of it's got to be on Penix. Some of it's got to be on Nick Sheridan, the offensive coordinator. But that's my big head scratcher. I got a couple more here. I don't mean to pile on, but just the the quarterback play and overall play calling was was awful. This yeah, it year. was. Like there are going to be bad stretches. This was a bad stretch the entire year. Here's another thing too that 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 Indiana defense that made a living off of turnovers last year. They only had five picks this year, and not one player had more than one. Well, not one multiple <laughs> interceptor. And I'm going to go ahead and just throw the cornerbacks in general. Those guys were dominant last year. And they were nowhere to be found. And I, I know a lot of it was injury. They were injured yep. a good part of the year. But something was wrong there, too. Something was off on both sides of the football. Yep. Team grade. I gave him D minus. And did you? I'm going straight off. Wow. So so A plus. <laughs> so you Two A pluses. No, I had an A plus. And a plus, A to F, and an F. Listen, um, I'm going to give him a D minus because you you could you could tell they were still battling up until I would say Rockers. <laughs> okay, like they were still fighting in games. Yeah. Um, you know, taking an L uh, versus Iowa to come back versus Idaho and to play tough versus Cincinnati, like. And just because of all of the injuries and when things went wrong, like there were some things out of their control. So, I mean, you're going to really have to mess up. If they would have went, certainly if they would have went 0-12, I would even say 1-11, I would have given them an F. But at two wins, you, you get a D-. I'm almost going Daniel Simpson Day has no great point average. All classes incomplete. <laughs> and I'm going to add a little more here. The running game. What is wrong with the running game in the entire state of Indiana? This was pathetic. The offensive line was pathetic. The running back room was pathetic. And I don't think Stephen Carr is a bad running back, but he averages 3.9 yards per carry this year. Something's wrong there. You you already piled on Nick Sheridan. I don't need to really pile on him at all that much more, but I will a little bit. How could you have a, t- a talent like Donovan McCulley and you 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 find no way to harness that talent whatsoever. He was just running around aimlessly out there. Yep. There was it, it's almost as if they had no scheme. You wasted Ty Fry Fogel this year. Michael Penix, fifty four percent completion, only nine hundred thirty nine yards, four touches, seven interceptions. Just nothing went right. Here. No, it was crazy. All right, uh, probably the point where if there's any. Indiana fans listening right now. I, I mean, I hope they are. I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're being, oh, we're, we're not, we're not searching to be mean. It's, it's right in front of us. Correct. Yeah. I, okay. So anyways, spring look ahead, what needs improvement? So I, what I have down here is saying everything needs improvement is, is not out of the question. I mean, literally everything, but my biggest thing is just like, Healing the team psyche. 
Yeah. That you you, you got to get the Leo back and and get better feels going inside that football. Yeah, because Leo died. We didn't even mention that there was a lot of infighting. The chemistry was just a disaster this year. Right. So but, I, but there and then what? So which kind of folds into what's looking good is jokingly I said it's not 2021. That's what's looking good, and I I do believe there has been some staff changes that 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 Indiana fans can feel pretty good about. Yeah, I think so. And what's looking good? Recruiting, recruiting, and more recruiting. They have five four-stars in the 2022 class, and they spread those guys out. Two defensive linemen, which I like to see, a running back, a cornerback, a wide receiver. They already got a really talented quarterback for the future. So there is reason to be encouraged for what's coming in Bloomington. Along with, I do believe the schedule will start out a little bit better uh, after having an awful year you need to get off to a good uh, start at the beginning of the following year. If you look at their schedule, it's not crazy to think. Now, this is assuming improvements, right? I mean, assuming that things look better offensively and defensively, it's not crazy to think that they could start out 4-1 and one their first five games. If they can do that, then I would say you have exercised some of the demons and you can start feeling good about that. Yeah, they pick up Illinois in the schedule. They get them at home week zero, so you can start off right out of the gate with a bang. And I think another thing that's looking good is that Nick Sheridan's no longer your offensive coordinator. I think you should be happy about that. Yeah, it's not Very the first time that that in Hoosier land they've said, I think this was addition by subtraction. And sometimes, the, as, as we've pointed out, sometimes the fans were right. Sometimes the fans and are right. And there were plenty of times where you, you saw just the scheme and the play call, and you're like, what are they trying to do? So it, it is something to be positive. They were right when they wanted Mike DeBoer out. Yep. He, he left, and then Kalen DeBoer came in, did a great job, and used it as a springboard into a, a bigger job. And now he's at even bigger job from that. So yep. just need to do that again. Can we yeah, do that just again? That. That's all it takes. That's all you need just to do. Just make great hires at yeah. OC and DC. That's it. That's it. Easy. Got anything else? Nope. All right. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.